1: Welcome back, Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. Thomas Stearns Elliott wrote that the way the world ends is not with a bang, but a whimper. That line is too tempting to think about on a day like today, given the leading candidates for president, one full of energy and can-do spirit, one of a long Washington career, feckless and uninspiring. I don't know what happens today or tomorrow or next week, I still hewed to the idea Donald Trump wins, perhaps bigger than last time. I still hewed to the idea he deserves it, not because he wants it so much, but by dint of his unwavering effort, fight, and because America deserves it. It deserves it because its institutions deserve to be restored and rescued from progressivism. It deserves it because so many have struggled so much on her behalf to preserve and improve it. But I know this, too. If he wins, it will not be accepted because too many do not think him or us acceptable. This has been our problem for four straight years. From the beginning of his election four years ago, he won living nightmare. He won Russia. All nonsense. If Joe Biden wins, it will not be the same from us. Deep in us, we conservatives, is an imbued view of America that caught us a bit off our heels in watching the reaction to Donald Trump's election. Too many were astounded to see the power of the left unwilling to accept that they lost, unwilling to accept enough citizens didn't like their nostrums, didn't like Hillary Clinton. Too many were astounded to see so many levers being pulled and operated to take what we assumed as normal and peaceful transitions of power converted into the use of politics as little more than war by other means. The upside of that is this, I think. If Joe Biden wins, it will not be the same with us. We will accept the decision. The boarded up business and riot response teams are not in place because of conservatives, they're in place because of the left. As Harry Jaffa put it, you cannot have free government if you cannot bind the people who participate in the government to accept the results of the election. It is the exercise of our inalienable right to life that enables us and justifies us in forming legitimate governments. When those governments are formed, we cannot reject them because we don't like the results. What the left has shown us for four years is free government then is nearly impossible because of them. To not accept results is to go the route of civil war. The whole idea of all men are created equal is the grounding of government by consent. Majority rule with minority rights. The whole idea of all men are created equal is what philosophically underpins the notion of the consent of the governed. Because by free elections and submitting ourselves to the outcomes of free elections, we consent to be governed as we would govern, depending on the outcome. Accepting the results of our fellow citizens, where at times we have the turn to govern and they accept, and at times they have the turn to govern and we accept. If we're not equal, after all, there's no point to an election or anything like the word consent. We conservatives who side with and believe in the Declaration of Independence and our founding get that. We understand that. We have a harder time understanding those who do not. And what we've borne witness to the last four years is a party and movement in the Democrats that does not. Perhaps though not discussed much, this helps explain our commitment to our founding, individual rights and equality. To us, those things mean something important to them. They mean little, hence the denigration of our founding. I spoke of equality. Let me say a word on individual rights. We trust each other in the exercise of those rights because of a just government that protects minorities and trusts human beings to be rational and prudent exercisers of those rights. Self-government would mean and amount to nothing more than anarchy if we were unruly, an unruly people. And what does unruly mean? Incapable of being ruled, incapable of submitting to a government of consent based on the protection of all of our natural rights. Now, all of this only works under certain conditions of freedom, and the first condition is that we share the same principles. As Thomas Jefferson put it in his first inaugural, every difference of opinion is not a difference of principle. I'm worried about this first condition because I'm not sure we any longer do share the same principles in this country. We used to. I think it's been broken, a lot of it whether it's the re-racialization of society and the adoption of the view of Dred Scott's majority opinion regarding the history of the United States, or the notion that group rights are more important than individual rights, or the promise of guaranteed outcomes in life vouchsafed by the government rather than vouchsafed equal opportunities, whether it's an informed patriotism that esteems this country and her legacy, or an ignorantly imposed history directed to undermine love of country. Whether it's neutrality toward or even support of violence in the name of politics, or the pitting of religion against religion, or the marginalizing of religion, or the use of the worst examples of tyranny to denounce our political opponents. So, as Lincoln put it, our republican, small r, republican robe is soiled and trailed in the dust. It didn't make much news yesterday, but the president, by executive order, created a 1776 commission to, in his words, quote, better enable a rising generation to understand the history and principles of the founding of the United States in 1776 and through this form a more perfect union, close quote. This is much needed. But in a sense, it's a tragedy. It speaks to massive failure. How in 2020 did it come that we need to relearn 1776 with a presidential commission. We thought per Lincoln, 1776 spoke to all people and all ages. Well, we were wrong. To quote Harry V. Jaff again, in 1776, we were nothing promising to become everything. Today, we achieved everything and promise yet again to become nothing promise to become nothing if the principles of 1776 are neglected. We have gone through two generations of undermining those principles, maybe even longer when you consider as far back as Woodrow Wilson saying that, we, that those principles were meant only for that generation and no other. But in our schools, it's been about two generations. Of course, over the last two years, joined and paraded by the nation's most influential newspaper, an education project was undertaken to literally erase the year 1776. That's why it's a tragedy that we even need a 1776 commission to study that which we used to know, to relearn that which we assumed to assume and even take for granted. But we cannot, at long last, take universal and self-evident principles for granted. We thought we could. We can't. We like to quote Ronald Reagan, saying, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. We like to quote that a lot. I fear we quote him without taking him literally and seriously. Note what he said. It must be fought for and protected. Well, it's been fought against, and too many of us remained passive. We celebrated things like our Fourth of July, we sang patriotic songs, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, we stood for the National Anthem, and we neglected what was being taught in the schools, quietly, and surely, and certainly, as we did adult things without thinking about them, as if they were in our bloodstream. Meanwhile, Large crops of tares were being nurtured and energized to a point we now live in where what we took for granted, say, just standing and singing the national anthem at a sporting event, is considered the less patriotic thing to do, and sympathy with those who choose not to stand is the more patriotic thing to do. We first defined deviancy down as a culture, and we have arrived to the point of defining patriotism down too to the point where we now need a 1776 commission. Pretty sad. And it will get worse if we lose today's election. Much worse. For it will be an endorsement of that nihilistic effort, that down market view of America's worth. If we win, it is but the first step on what we must impose on ourselves, a rededication to all we used to know, unlocking the things we used to know in Plato's formulation. I could close this a lot of different ways, but today, in all we've gone through and traveled together this most difficult of years, I think I close with the words of Johnny Cash. I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware, and it got powder burned the night Francis Scott Key sat watching it, writing, say, can you see... And it got a bad rip in New Orleans, with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo, beside the Texas flag. But she well wa- she waved on, though. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee Beauregard and Bragg, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War One, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low by the time it was through. She was in Korea, in Vietnam. She was sent where she was by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving her back here at home. In her own good land, here she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. She's getting threadbare and wearing thin. But she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Because she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning, take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her up tight. On second thought, I do like to brag. Because I'm pretty proud of that ragged old flag. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. There's going to be one message today, and one message today only. Stay in line if you're in line. Stay in line if you're in line. We got this. If you stay in line and vote, that's the message I want to communicate to you. We've got Kaylee McEnany coming up. We've got Donald uh, Donald Trump Jr. coming up. We've lo- I love to hear from you. Six zero two fifty eighty nine sixty. I will tell you about why I think we win in uh, as encapsulating a way as possible. But I got to say something first. Um, and it's this. it's it's interesting. The weeks leading up to an election, regular listeners to the show probably have seen or known noticed this. The weeks leading up to the election, we get a lot more uh, callers, a lot more input, a lot more activity. There's a lot more political action, interest, energy, all to the good. Great. Substantiating the point of what we do here, or what I and my colleagues do here, at least at the Salem Radio Network. And it's a great faculty. I'm privileged to be a junior member of it. Which is um, discussing, thinking about, explaining, teaching, understanding, applying conservatism. Sometimes this is even called conservative talk radio, sometimes. And I take that as a, um, as, as a badge of honor, not as a, as a critique. I usually introduce myself to others. They ask me what I do. I say I'm a radio host. But sometimes you will hear it considered conservative radio host or conservative talk radio. Fine, fine. Uh, indicate precisely what you mean to say, right? What is the point, though? I want to ask, somewhat <clears throat> rhetorically, but somewhat not. What is the point of teaching, explaining, applying, understanding conservatism if you don't win elections? if you don't get to implement the policies and philosophies you teach and espouse, what is the point of it? There is no point. Uh, we, we, we can all go and live on some little island, or we can create islands of our own and um, sequester and uh, quote Aristotle or whatever all day long, Russell Kirk, you name it, we can just quote it, quote, quote, these people all day long to ourselves. If we don't get a chance to live by it and deploy it for society at large. Right? Right? That's the point. The point being that it all comes down to days like today, election day. Which is why, for the life of me, four years of trying to understand these Never Trump, these Lincoln Project types, I cannot understand them. I cannot understand understand the boastfulness with which today the the pride with which they took today in telling us and showing us pictures of their ballot voting for Joe Biden all the while trying to convince us they're either good republicans or the true conservatives the ones who really understand can see you 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 63 million god bless plus many more today but you 63 million you don't understand conservatism you you don't know what you're doing but we 20 We 20, we elect, we understand it. We understand it. And by God, we're going to get it with Joe Biden. We're going to get it with Joe Biden because he's going to give us justices like Amy Barrett. And he is going to reduce taxes so that he can spur economic and entrepreneurial growth. And he's going to continue to divest us from... Moneys delivered to terrorist regimes. And by God, he's going to vouchsafe and protect our allies. And by goodness gracious, he's going to defend human rights in places like China. This, this is what they think? This, this, is, this is a sane group of people that tries to tell you you don't know the difference between black and white? This is a sane group? It's not a sane group. It, it, I, I can't measure their psychological stability. I, I can't. I know some of them are used to. But I can tell you it is a group that has forfeited any claim to intelligence, any claim to intelligence. These are carnival barkers who have forsaken conservatism. The idea that you will get what you have been writing about and telling us to read for I don't know how long some of them have been in the business, probably 40 years in some cases. The idea that you are going to get that from a Biden-Harris administration, that you will proudly vote for it, or that you will proudly vote against what we have seen over the last four years, you have surrendered. You have surrendered your claim to intellectual honesty. You have surrendered your claim to intelligence. You have surrendered your claim to call yourself a conservative or a Republican. I'm not into this thing about throwing people out of the party. But when they walk away, bye-bye. Sorry, bye-bye. I have no need for this. I remember there was a Vermont Republican senator, uh, quote-unquote moderate Senator Jim Jeffords, who left the Republican Party because uh, because he said it had gone too right-wing under George W. Bush. And I remember this is a guy who had Reagan come and campaign for him. That when people just spew nonsense, say nonsensical things, don't question yourself. Don't scratch your head and say, ah, but they have a PhD, or ah, but they're smart, or supposedly intellectual, or ah, but they went to a better school than I did, or went to school and I didn't. There can be such a thing as a learned ignoramus. There can be. And we've seen a lot of it lately. And I hope we never have to hear from them again because I hate it when idiocy poses as intelligence and that's what they have done. That goes out to my friend, listener Bill. It is a delight at 34 past the hour to have our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski from... Grand Canyon Planning Associates, grandcanyonplanning.com is his website. J.D., how the heck are you?
2: I'm doing fantastic on this election day.
1: Isn't it a great thing? It is. I um, I have to tell you, on this day in history, in 1868, yes. it, bo- it bodes well. Ulysses S. Grant was elected president of the United States. It bodes well, in case you didn't know my political preferences, <laughs> it bodes well because Trump has often been compared to to grant wow and when lincoln was appealed to to fire grant he said i can't he fights
2: i you can't fight for He sure. fights. No yes question. sir
1: yes sir all right jd what's on your mind today listen i have a question for you um yeah. i don't know if it was on your mind today <laughs> but uh, um, taxes and the election yeah. the we're learning from exit polling today that the economy is the number one issue on voters minds Right. Taxes. Um, they have a. They there will be dramatic changes depending on the outcome of this election, or could be dramatic changes be, on the outcome yeah. of the election. How do people save on them? Can, are, are there strategies people can deploy to protect themselves regardless of the outcome?
2: Yeah. Well, of course, we have our election in, in November, but it doesn't take place really the trans transition of power until uh, next year. But uh, there are things you can do between now and the end of the year, no matter who is. Elected, And just a couple of short things, and people may have used these strategies before, but hey, we can always donate things, right, to charities, and that's a deduction on our income taxes. That's one that we all, I think, are very um, giving people here in this country, and we can take advantage of that on our tax returns. Uh, Also, for those out there maybe who have stocks that haven't performed as well as you would have expected, maybe you've got some losers in your portfolio, you can sell those at a loss, offset gains from other sales that you may have had throughout the year. We could also convert our IRAs from traditional IRAs to Roth IRAs. Now, that will increase your tax on the year in most cases, but... Moving forward, we've talked about Roth IRAs, Seth, and if taxes are going to be going up in the future, you may want to have some of your money growing tax-free. So there's just a couple of quick samples. But one thing I have to, I think, uh, make sure people are aware of, there's something called the WASH rule. I don't know if you've ever heard of that when it comes uh -uh. to buying Uh -uh. and selling stocks. So this is an example maybe for those people out there who trade stocks on a regular basis. If you sell a stock and you make a profit on it, and then you go back and buy that stock less than 30 days there's a you're not going to be able to claim that as a capital gain it's going to be considered ordinary income taxes oh. so i would i would recommend that you if you're buying and selling stock to be very cautious of that that you have this wash rule waiting at least 30 days before you buy that stock this is
1: particularly useful for people who use online trading companies right sure. or so, so you're telling right now, me if you sell yeah. a stock at a high point and then it drops, but you still like it and you want to buy it back or
2: buy it again. Be right. Wary. Okay. That's right. It does the wash rule. It applies to losses, but it doesn't apply to gains. Uh huh. You sell uh-huh. the stock for profit, buy it right back, you'll owe taxes on that gain. Right. So you just understand that. Talk. I'm not a tax advisor, but right. that's something that a lot of uh, investors may make a mistake on thinking that they're going to get to take advantage of that. Okay. Uh, but go ahead and talk to your tax advisor before you start to do that type of quick trading on stocks.
1: One of my favorite things, uh, John, talk to me about this because again, um, it, it it may not it may not be perfect for everyone. It may not maybe I'm not doing it right. Mm-hmm. But uh, char- charitable donations is a good way. Yep. To, yes.
2: Yes, talk charitable. To. Yeah, charitable contributions. You can deduct that off of your income. Uh, Certainly something that we do on a regular basis if you tithe with your church, if you donate to the Humane Society. Now, these have to be nonprofit organizations that are recognized by the IRS that you have to you can't just create a company and donate money to it and expect that that's a charitable donation of course. George, not, George
1: Costanza tried that on science. The human fund. Once, uh, the yes. human, human fund, fund. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs>
2: yes. No, you cannot do that. Okay. Um, you have to be very careful about that. And you need to save your receipts. I mean if you talk to any CPA, they're gonna tell you, hey, if you make especially large contributions, you want to make sure you're saving your receipts. One thing you can do, Seth, which is a big one Required minimum distributions from retirement accounts, if you take those, you could direct those to go directly to a charity. Uh-huh. It won't be counted as income, and you'll get the deduction. So there's a benefit there you can take advantage of by trans- transitioning your RMD directly to a charity.
1: Nice, and you can help with some of that. We too, can right? help with all you of bet. that,
2: certainly. Perfect. So again, Perfect. Securities and Advisory Services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and SIPC, and an investment advisor, Grant Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, an our affiliate. It's going to be an exciting night, Seth.
1: John, I don't often throw out a Seinfeld obscurity to someone, and they know it right away. Well done on you. <laughs> uh, well, well, well done on your part, sir. Well, thank you
2: so much, sir.
1: We'll, we'll be doing more of it. All right. <laughs> all right. thank all you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Be right back. six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you got uh if you got the app and you're listening in line, I think that's allowed. Give us a call. Tell us what you're seeing. Tell us what you think's gonna happen um in the election. I will tell you I was having a conversation this morning with um my good friend and general manager Jim, Jim Ryan, and it was kind of analyzing the state of the news it's by the way let me pause on that I don't care what channel you turn to turn it off turn it off It, it, it is nothing but a damper and I And that includes all channels I'm sorry to say all channels turn it off they are not reporting the things we're seeing they are not reporting a lot a lot there gets to be this kind of, um, oh, what would we call it? Uh, convent- There's probably a psychological term for it. There gets to be this kind of desire to be part of the crowd and not not dissent from the, from the unification of theme, the unification of theory. So, yeah, of course you have these polls. I think the polls are missing an awful lot. I think they're missing a ton. And they are not showing the direction, and they are not showing the Biden shrinking lead, and they are not showing registration numbers, new registration numbers favoring Republicans in major key battleground states by a lot. States that Trump won in 2016. They're not talking about that. They're not talking about how, while there's been a tremendous number of mail in ballots, that was the Democratic Party's strategy. The Republicans like to vote. On election day and today's our day and they have to count those votes too they're not talking about a lot turn it off it's a damper everyone i know who is optimistic and is today dampened is today a little less optimistic i asked a question have you been watching fox news or cnn over the last 24 hours yes turn it off turn it off just as we have done over the weekends turn it off Get in line, stay in line, and vote in person today. It matters. And give us a call and tell us what you're seeing and what you're thinking. Anyway, Jim Ryan and I were just kind of talking about the stuff we were reading and hearing and seeing and speculating on and conversing about and trying to put it all together. We came up with, um, with effectively three reasons that boil it down simply that keeps us buoyed buoyed optimistic that it's going to be a trump victory and we, and we think we're right about this if you disagree please joint uh, tell me why cuz i cuz i think these things are, these three things are are pretty settled and pretty important think about the animus against donald trump there's a big vote against Donald Trump, obviously, today or via the mail-in ballot. Obviously, we know this. Is the animus greater against him today than it was in 2016? Think hard about how much animus there was, how much bitterness about Donald Trump there was in 2016, especially right off of the leaked NBC tape, right off of that. The point, the animus is the same. It's the same. There's the same amount of animus against Trump today as there was four years ago. What is there less of? There's less love and passion for the democratic candidate today than there was four years ago. I know it's true and worth pointing out that Hillary can be Hillary Clinton can be seen as very divisive, but mostly to Republicans, yes, to some independents, but mostly her divisiveness is to Republicans, but to Democrats, First potential woman, potential first woman president. The love, the passion, the energy for Hillary Clinton amongst Democrats was much stronger, much bigger than it is for Joe Biden today. And now the third one. All that love and support and passion for the Republican candidate amongst Republicans. In other words, love and support for Donald Trump today versus 2016. Much, much higher. Much, much higher. I don't know if I'm talking about, I don't care if I'm talking about the rallies. I don't care if I'm talking about uh, the, the people who have come out of the woodwork to say they're supporting Donald Trump. I don't care if I'm talking about people who said they didn't vote for him before, they will now. I don't care if I'm talking about um Republicans who held their nose and voted for him because they were just being good Republicans who are not holding their nose this time because they've seen the proof. The love and support for Donald Trump amongst Republicans today is much higher than it was four years ago. I'll put those three together. Simply the animus against Donald Trump today is the same as it was four years ago. The love of the democratic candidate amongst the Democrats is less today was four years ago and the love and passion for Donald Trump amongst Republicans is higher than it, it is to that higher today than it was four years ago to us to me it's that simple it's that simple with that with those three criteria I remain heavily optimistic let's go to Tony in Glendale hi Tony hi Seth how are
2: you
0: my second time of calling, and, and I, I listen to your show quite frequently, and I'm really impressed with the, the level of, of thought processes and, and, and things that are discussed in the way that discuss the, the, the minute details that, that is covered by the callers and by you, of course.
1: But Well, thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, I, you're that's you're much welcome. appreciated. Thank you.
0: Well, you're quite welcome, sir, and this is, it's well-earned. Uh, but I have a handicap, and, and the handicap is that uh, I'm, a, I'm a retired soldier, and uh, most of my time was spent, of course, during the Cold War. So consequently, whenever anything comes up that's you know, in, in contravention to the Constitution, then I see communists behind every corner. Having said that, I'm wondering now what's going to happen after the election. And I say that because I think when Donald Trump wins, there is going to be um, backlash, hopefully not violent, but I think there may be. And I think that if the other guy should win, there might be the same by their people, which would go largely unopposed or unchecked. And that's what I think, and that's what I feel. And do do that
1: second part <laughs> for me. I'm not sure I, I caught the first one. I think I. Do the second part. If,
0: okay, the second part would uh, if be Joe the...
1: Biden wins, if Joe Biden right, wins, then, okay. then
0: his folks would go ahead, celebrate in their riotous way.
1: Oh, I uh, see. So either yeah. way, riots from the left. Either way.
0: That's what I think.
1: OK, let me address that when we come back. And okay. thank you for your kind comments. More importantly, thank you for your service to our country, Tony. I'll address that My when pleasure. we come back. My
0: pleasure. My pleasure in both regards.
1: God bless you. Thank you. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show. Tony raised a uh, interesting point, which is to say he is worried about violence in the streets. If Biden loses, he is worried about violence in the street. If Biden wins, but he is worried in both cases, the violence, the riots will come from the left. I don't think very many people, are worried about suburban moms and dads and truckers and accountants and attorneys riding in the streets, Trump voters riding in the streets if it turns out Biden wins. We haven't ever acted that way. I dedicated my monologue to talking about how we who love the founding of this country accept the point of all of us being created equal, meaning in part, that sometimes we win elections and sometimes we lose elections because we understand that we rule here by the consent of the governed. We consent to rule and be ruled as conservatives, to govern and be governed. We do. We just do. It is a shame and a blight on the Democratic Party. And I'm not saying the left and I'm not saying liberals, I am saying the Democratic Party. It is a shame and a blight on the Democratic Party that they have ignored, defended, and justified political rioting this year. Ignored, defended, and justified. it. It is a shame and a blight on them. It is a shame and a blight on the Democratic Party that they have members of their House of Representatives leadership going on national television the weekend before the election and saying such things as the only way Biden will lose is due to fraud. It is a shame and a blight on the Democratic Party that its candidate that lost four years ago has been on a four-year speaking tour condemning her the Trump victory over her as fraudulent, his election as illegitimate. They are the ones who have set it is they are the ones who have set up the conditions for the violence that we see on the streets from their votaries. It is a shame and a fraud on the Democratic Party that quote unquote responsible Democrats in leadership have compared this president to the worst Violators of human rights in the history of the world. I'm particularly talking about the comparisons to Hitler and Nazism and fascism. They have set the conditions of conflagration in their own movement. And it is a shame and a blight on them. We do ballots here, Lincoln said, not bullets. If there's a political, a cultural Civil War of any kind, they didn't fire the first shot. They fired the first thousand shots.